Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special, sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then, she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature, and MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. We're talking about an unsolved mystery tonight, one that seems to have turned into a cold case since there appears to be very little new information. Kayo Matsuzawa was a bright, beautiful, friendly, and adventurous 29-year-old Japanese woman who traveled to study English in Christchurch, New Zealand. However, she met a tragic fate while sightseeing in Auckland City. Her body was found naked and decomposing in a utility room of a business building very shortly after she had landed and checked into her hotel. This is another one of those cases where the answer feels like it's right at your fingertips, but unfortunately for Kayo's family, it's still unsolved this many years later. Let's talk through the details. Before we jump in, I want to give a huge shout out to Erin. She's the latest Patreon subscriber to join the John and Jane Doe tier, and she's also turned into a fantastic friend. And Erin, I just want to give you a big thank you for all of your support over the last year. You the best. Speaking of Patreon, I've gone and revamped my Patreon program, and I'm pretty dang excited about it, but it's taken a little bit of sweat and elbow grease. So let me fill you in on a few details I've come up with. So for as little as $2 a month, you can access ad-free Patreon-exclusive episodes. Yeah, so that means you get bonus episodes that are ad-free that no one else gets. And I promise to do at least one a month, but of course I'd really like to do more. For $5 a month, you will get all the same benefits as the first tier, plus 15% off my merch store always, 
and access to my closed fan Facebook group. And in that group, we have bi-weekly Zoom hangouts with me and the best group of people you'll ever meet. Honestly, these chicks are so cool. We have the best time on these Zooms. They're so much fun. I'll soon be launching these true crime discussions as episodes, so stay tuned. So if you'd like to have your voice heard on some of the most talked about unsolved true crime stories, hop on in and join our chats. Now, the top tier is $15 a month, and you get all the perks from the first and the second tier, plus you get a shout-out on my show, and you get exclusive Serial Napper gifts every three months through the mail. Yep, that's right. Actual, real-life, in-your-hands Serial Napper gifts delivered to your door every three months. So I hope you're as excited as I am. If you want more details or you just want to support the show, visit patreon.com slash serial napper. I also have the link in my show notes. Now sit back and enjoy an ad-free episode just because I love you. All right, let's talk about Kayo Matsuzawa, the beautiful 29-year-old from a little fishing town in Yamagata Prefecture, Japan, which is pretty close to where I'm currently living. I know everyone says the most wonderful things about people that have passed, but seriously, Kayo was special. She had the heart of an adventurer, and her mother said that ever since she was a little girl, her biggest goal in life was to get to travel overseas, and she did everything possible to make that dream a reality, including working her butt off to save money for flights and taking English classes so that she'd be able to get around a little bit easier. Kayo's mother was initially hesitant to let her travel abroad, knowing that the world could be a dangerous place, particularly for a young, pretty girl traveling alone. However, her mom eventually did decide to let her go on her adventure because she swore that New Zealand was a much nicer and safer place than other countries. And typically, this is true. New Zealand's rates of violence are very low compared to elsewhere in the world. And no one could have predicted what would happen to Kayo in such a safe city. Kayo left Japan for New Zealand in November 1997. The plan was to study English in Christchurch, so she enrolled at the Dominion English School while also working part-time at a restaurant. She was going to stay and explore as much of New Zealand as she could for a year before returning to Japan. She sent many postcards back home to her family quite often, telling them all about her adventures, her experiences, and the awesome people she was meeting. She always talked about how happy she was and how much fun she was having. Everything appeared to be going perfect for Kayo as she lived out her dreams. Around August of 1998, she sent her mother a postcard that read, Dear Mom, happy birthday. I've decided to come home to Japan on November 4th, so another three months to go. Take care, love, Kayo. This would be one of the last postcards to ever be received from Kayo, as the following month in September, she would be murdered. Now, Kayo had a roommate in New Zealand by the name of Naomi Seishu. She had met her at the school she was attending. The two got along great. They would attend lots of local events together, including the Santa Parade. They would go out for drinks, shopping. They always made sure to take in every moment of their time in New Zealand. Kayo asked Naomi if she wanted to take a five-day trip with her to visit the Bay of Islands, as well as the city of Auckland. Unfortunately, Naomi didn't have enough money saved up to be able to go with her, but this wasn't going to stop Kayo from going. 
Like I said previously, Kaya was very outgoing, she was adventurous, and she was very confident in her English capabilities. She was perfectly comfortable traveling by herself. So she went on her way and she promised to send Naomi a postcard. On Friday, September 11th, 1998, Kayo arrived in Auckland early afternoon. Around 2.14 p.m., security camera footage shows Kayo getting off of an airport bus on Queen Street, where she checks into a hostel called Queen Street Backpackers. Queen Street Backpackers is considered to be one of the more popular backpackers hostels in the area, and it's located right in the heart of Auckland City. It has easy access to shopping malls, restaurants, public transportation, everything you'd possibly need as a traveler. Kayo paid for and checked into a single room on the second floor of the hostel. She was booked in for three nights. She went right up to her room and set her luggage on her bed. Then, it's speculated that she left to go do some sightseeing. This is the general consensus because police don't believe she ever actually slept in that room. When they would search her room later, they would find her suitcase neatly placed on the bed. And the bed was still made up. It didn't really look like anyone had touched the room or spent any time in it. This was further backed up because her flatmate, Naomi, said that Kayo had a tendency to be a bit messy. She didn't really care to make up her bed and things like that. And especially where she's on vacation, I doubt making up her bed would have been a top priority. So police believe she left her luggage on the bed and then left her room for what was likely the last time to go do some sightseeing. At 3.32 p.m., CCTV footage shows Kayo walking past the countrywide building on Queen Street. This is the last sighting of Kayo. No one reports ever seeing her, and she isn't captured on any other CCTV cameras after this. It's believed that Kayo is murdered within 24 hours of this footage. Now, this is 1998, so this is before cell phones and social media which is why it took anyone so long to even notice that she was missing. It wasn't like she had stopped updating her Facebook page or she wasn't answering her cell phone or responding to text messages. Nowadays, if someone goes missing, it becomes apparent pretty quickly, but everyone who loved Kayo were completely unaware that anything had gone wrong. For all they knew, she was having an incredible time traveling around New Zealand, and she would send a postcard soon. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in true accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. 
They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go. And they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes? Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factor's chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. On Monday, the 14th of September, Kayo is due to check out of the hostel. I couldn't find any information regarding the hostel staff, if they did anything or what they did with luggage, but it's likely that they probably threw it out, figuring she had just kind of left it behind. I mean, that's what they did in the Elisa Lamb case. When Elisa hadn't checked out and her belongings were left scattered around her room, they disposed of most of it and I think they put some of it in storage. But yeah, I couldn't find any information about what they did with her things that were left behind in the hotel room. However, on Wednesday the 16th, which is around five days after Kayo went missing, her day bag, her passport, and her insurance papers were all found in a public trash can. This trash can is located quite close to the hostel and also really close to the location where her body would later be found. Security camera footage shows that Kayo was wearing black bootleg pants, a black jacket, black shoes, and a backpack the day that she went missing. Her clothes, as well as her jewelry, was never found. Only that day bag and the passport, which police fingerprinted but found nothing usable. 
On September 22nd, which is eight days after her items are found in that trash bin, a fire alarm compliance tester by the name of Dennis Groves goes into the utility room of the center court building to access the fire panel. So we need to talk about where this utility room is located. Picture two high-rise office buildings, and in between them, there's a stairwell that connects them both. This utility room was located in this stairwell that connects both buildings. So Dennis Groves, he walks into the utility room to access that fire panel for the fire alarm compliance test, and it's then that he discovers Kayo's body. Kayo is naked and decomposing at this point. She's been there for some time, likely since September 11th, so 11 days. Dennis Groves would later give an interview for the show Cold Case, and he said, The first smell that I was aware of was the smell of ammonia. Then it became a real vile smell. And he said at first he thought Kayo's body was a mannequin, but when the smell hit him in the face... He left the room, ran down the stairwell, and called the police. Now, police have been very tight-lipped, even still to this day, about what was found in that utility room or what evidence, if any, was found alongside Kayo's body. So we don't know a whole lot. But what we do know is that these two buildings, the Center Court building and the BNZ building that share that stairwell where her body was found, they're located about a two-minute walk away from the hostel that Kayo was staying at. We also know that the utility closet is kept locked. However, many of the staff that work there, they actually unlock that door by using something as simple as a screwdriver because only the building managers who work there have the keys to unlock it. And things get busy sometimes, so they just jimmy-rig open the door instead of going and asking for a key. So this means that whoever killed Kayo may have had a key, but they could just as easily not have. Another thing that police say is that in order to access the stairwell from either of the buildings, typically you need either a security key card or what looks like a security fob. The buildings are on two completely different security systems, but they each have those measures put in place for their workers. So when police go and check each system to see who had used either their security key or their fob to access the building on the day that they believe Kaya was murdered, the records appear to be missing for those days. They couldn't confirm whether they believe that the data was tampered with or if it was just some kind of glitch, but it kind of seems suspicious, doesn't it? Now, the layout of each of these buildings is incredibly complicated to understand, unless you're physically there to see it. So I won't describe this maze to you, but the important thing to note is that you need either one of the security cards or security fobs to access the locations, supposedly. For this reason, police have always said that they believe it's quite possible that the killer worked in either one of these buildings. I'll post more details about the two buildings along with a little map so you can go have a look for yourself. It's just one of those things that you need to see for yourself in order to fully grasp it. Now, Kayo's fingerprints, they were matched to fingerprints that they were able to lift on some of her belongings left in her hostel room. Police also used dental records from Japan and they had her family in Japan identify her from photos, which is like, I can't imagine being a whole world away and finding out your loved one has been murdered and then having to look at photos of her body in order to identify her. 
We don't know Cayo's cause of death because her remains were found in a late stage of decomposition. For this reason, there wasn't a whole lot of forensic evidence that they could pull off of her body. And like I said, her clothing had been stripped and never found, which was likely another tactic used by this killer to hide any DNA evidence. We also don't know where Kayo was killed. From everything that I've read, it seems that police believe she was killed at another location and then her body was moved into this utility room. I'm not completely convinced of this. When I first read about the case, my initial thought was maybe he somehow got her into this utility room using some sort of weapon, like a gun or a knife, and she obliged, thinking that it was just safer to go with him. Or maybe she hoped that someone would see her on the way into this office building, someone who could help her. The utility room is located in between those two office buildings, and these buildings, they're located in a very heavily trafficked area. It just seems so weird to me that no one saw anything. And if Kayo was killed in a separate location and then her body brought to this utility closet, the murderer would have then had to get her into the stairwell and literally carry her either up or down the stairs and into the closet. It would have taken someone who is in decent shape, maybe perhaps on the younger side, to be able to carry her body all the way up to the room. Of course, Kayo didn't weigh a whole lot, only about 110 pounds, but still that would have been 110 pounds of dead weight up or down those stairs. Now remember, I mentioned that some of Kayo's belongings were found in a public trash can that was located near her hostel and near the room that she was found murdered in. Those trash bins get emptied two to three times a day, so whoever put the items in the bin did so the same day that they were discovered. Well, they were found five days after police believed that Kayo was murdered, so either the killer went back to the utility room to clean up and take her things to dispose of, or the killer carried these items around with him for five days before dropping them in a bin close to the location of the killing. There's also a bus stop right near this location, so please think that maybe the killer uses the bus to get around and they don't have a vehicle. So let's talk about theories, and we'll start with the most obvious one that an employee at one of these buildings murdered Kayo, someone who had one of the key cards or the key fobs to access the building. So police began by interviewing hundreds of employees, but nothing came of it. And during these conversations, they discovered that while they initially believed that the only people who could access this stairwell were people with security cards, some of the employees said that there were in fact other people who could access that area without a card. There was a bar downstairs in one of the buildings that had a fire exit that went into the stairwell. Usually these fire exits are alarmed, but apparently this one wasn't, and patrons of the bar would often go out into the stairwell to smoke. That fact opens this case up wide, because then it could really be anyone, not just limited to the building employees. So police, they put out a public notice asking anyone who was in the bar during the night Kaya was murdered to come forward if they noticed anything suspicious or if they saw Kaya in or around the bar that night. 
Unfortunately, this didn't really result in any new leads. Police eventually came out and said that by using Y-string DNA testing, they found male DNA under Kayo's fingernails. They will be able to use this DNA to test against any male suspects they came across. So, who was looked at as a suspect? Well, first, there was Dennis, the fire alarm tester who discovered Kayo's body. He would have had access to the building and a key for that particular room. But he was easily ruled out by police because all of his movements as part of his job were electronically monitored. So police knew exactly where he was at the time of the killing and he was nowhere to be found. Another person of interest was someone who worked at a Japanese language school that was located in the center court building. Police initially thought that maybe Kayo had gone into this language school to ask questions or get some help, but that didn't make a whole lot of sense because her English was very strong and she was very independent. With this particular person of interest, the timings of their alibi didn't initially check out, but the more the police dug into it, they later concluded that this was all just due to an honest mistake which happens more than you'd think. So this person was taken off a suspect list. Police also looked into the idea of a serial killer connection. Around the same time, there was a man by the name of Alan Michael Grimson in the Auckland area. He was there around the same time as Kayo was there, and he would later be convicted of killing two men. But the more they dug, they just couldn't make a connection there. Grimson also targeted young men, so it didn't really make any sense for him to suddenly target a female like Kayo. There was also another tenant at the Queen Street Backpackers hostel that they questioned. It was a Ukrainian man who stayed at the hostel long term, and he was there during the time that Kayo was murdered. He was described as being very eccentric, He had paranoid tendencies and a big, huge, giant mental health history. There was also an eyewitness who described seeing a man that looked just like this guy walking with an Asian female on the night that Kayo was murdered. And most suspiciously, the day that Kayo's body was found, he decided to leave the country. This would, of course, be a big, giant red flag, but this guy was eventually ruled out. Police saw how severe his mental health was, and they determined that it was unlikely that he was able to entice Kayo into the stairwell. I couldn't find any more information on him, but I've got to assume that they truly eliminated him as a suspect by comparing his DNA to that DNA that was found under Kayo's fingernails. The main theory police seem to be keen on is that Kayo may have gone to that bar that was located in the center court building and that her drink may have been spiked. Remember, Kayo was described by everyone who knew her as being very friendly and outgoing. She would have had no issues talking to a stranger and she enjoyed having a drink or two, but she wasn't a heavy drinker. Quite possible that she went to the bar to maybe unwind for the day, you know, after a day of traveling. I kind of like to do that sometimes. And maybe she had her drink spiked. Maybe then she was taken through the fire exit into the stairwell and brought into the utility room where she was murdered. 
this is an unsolved case still in 2021. There still has not been an arrest, which is so frustrating. I looked up any new leads I can find. There is nothing. It really just seems to have gone cold. This person may have gone on to hurt other women. We, we just don't know. The profile that police have put together regarding who they believe the killer is describes him as having the confidence to go back to the scene, being confident or comfortable enough to approach a tourist, possibly someone around Kayo's age, someone she was comfortable enough to stay with for one or two hours, and someone who looked trustworthy. They were forensically aware because there were no fingerprints on the belongings found in the rubbish bin, and apart from under Kayo's fingernails, there was no DNA found. They're likely someone who has probably been involved in an act like this before, being premeditated and having a sexual connotation behind their offending. This is one of those cold cases that needs more attention. There's hardly been any attention on it. I tried looking for information and it's actually really, really hard. It seems to have just been lost because it happened in New Zealand. It's a Japanese tourist. People in New Zealand might not care as much about a tourist. And people in Japan are just completely unaware that this has happened. So I'd love for you to share it out wherever you can. I know all of this seems so far away, but it's actually a very small world out here. The connections you make and have, especially for those who travel, you really never know who you just might meet or have knowledge of. So share it out. Kayo and her family deserve justice. That's it for me tonight. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I'm on YouTube. Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give me a thumbs up and subscribe. If you'd like to become a member of my Patreon program that I talked about and unlock some badass bonuses, visit patreon.podbean.com slash Serial Napper. And if you have any thoughts about this case or any other cases that I've covered, I would love to hear from you. Until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye.